You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-510-0338. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Welcome Into Tomorrow for the weekend of Friday, January 8th, 2021. Delighted to have you with us during our 26th year on the air. I am Dave Graveline. I am Chris Graveline. Oh, in the control room, Nosomi is with us. Normally at his home in Hialeah Gardens these days, but here in person in our Miami studios, Beth in Naples, Kim in Coconut Creek, Erasmo in South Beach, Horatio in New York City. Yep. But we're all gathered round to address your digital concerns, your dilemmas, your consumer tech questions. And, of course, send you prizes when you participate on the program. And we'll tell you what prizes we've got available for you this week coming up. Do stay tuned. We got some exciting things happening over the next couple of weeks. What happens starting next weekend, a week from today? We'll be uh, covering the virtual CES uh, show, which I think still stands for Chinese Electronic Show or something. Something like that. They want to believe it's (laughs) Consumer Electronic Show. Well, they say it doesn't mean anything, which is nonsense, but that's – yeah. They say if it meant anything, it would mean Consumer Electronic Show. But we're not allowed to call it Consumer Electronic Show. We're no, we're not, not. We're also not allowed to call it International CES, which is what we used to. That was what we used to be supposed to be calling it. Yeah, true. Because yes. they ordered all of us media types a couple of years ago to call it the International CES. So we didn't do that anyway. Right. So we'll be virtually covering the International Consumer Electronic Show. Next right. Week. That we're not allowed to say. <laughs> yes. But starting next week and for the next couple of weeks beyond that. We will have all sorts of guests. We've already got several pre-recorded for you because there's so many cool things coming out. New products, new services, new announcements, new apps. A lot of neat stuff that we want to share with you, our loving audience. We'll also have a video of many of these interviews. Most of these interviews we're doing on Zoom. So we have some uh, some video of their products in motion. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, have some uh, highlights coming up of some of the keynotes and, and some of the presentations there. So lots to cover. Oh, yeah. Man, we are busy this week and next, more than you can imagine. But we're just like IFA, where for us it was a virtual event back last September of last year. Uh, This is now an entirely virtual event for CES. They hope that we'll be back to an in-person event next year. But this is, either way, it's our 26th year covering the Consumer Electronics Show. Started our very first show 
at the Consumer Electronics Show many years ago. Yeah, January 6, 1996. Yeah. Well, look at you. Yeah. Well, you are the tech historian, so exactly. yeah, you would you would know those dates and stuff. Yeah. So we will cover it, and hopefully you will not miss a moment. As Chris mentioned, lots of videos so that we can show you these products. So when you hear about them on the radio, and don't worry if you're driving and otherwise not near your computer or phone or something, when you can, you visit intotomorrow.com starting next week. Well, you should be doing it regularly anyway, but especially starting next week for all the videos of our CES coverage so we can show you all these cool products. Meantime, some tech news and commentary before we jump to your calls. We've got folks waiting already. Let's see. Oh, Mike in Delaware is standing by with a question. So do stay tuned. What have you got for us tech news-wise? Well, since the, uh, the, the hip thing these days seems to be changing terms, uh, Waymo is trying to change the narrative when it comes to self-driving cars. Alphabet Inc. changing terms. Yeah, well, they're, Can they're, I get an A-man yeah. and an A-woman? Yeah, no, no. Alphabet Inc.'s division devoted to their technology said it will no longer use the term self-driving when describing its technology. And they're saying the decision is about education and safety. Going forward, Waymo will call its technology fully autonomous. No, to, to create what it believes is an important distinction. Uh, now the What's com- the distinction? Uh, it's the, still self-driving. Yeah, the company's argument rests entirely on how the public perceives self-driving as a term. Waymo points out, without naming names, that some automakers, of course Tesla comes to mind, toss the phrase around even though its technology doesn't fully drive a car on its own. Worse, Waymo said that the proliferation of self-driving can lead drivers to taking their hands off the wheel when it's unsafe to do so. Oh, but then, okay, so how is then saying fully autonomous any different? Exactly. To me, it sounds it, the exact same you're thing. taking your hands off the wheel because your car is fully autonomous. Uh-huh. Oh, please. That's bizarre. But yeah. we'll stay on that as they continue uh-huh. to change the names and terms and whatnot throughout society. Vizio reported that, not too surprisingly, television viewing with its smart TVs rose 20.3% year-over-year in 2020, and attributed the increase, of course, to the ongoing pandemic. The company cited data from 17 million TVs. See, don't think you have any privacy as to what you're watching. They know what you're watching. Uh The point is they also know how long you're watching and so forth. But that's how they are able to tell us that TV viewing increased over 20% the last year than normal. Well, it's no doubt. People yeah. are stuck home and want to watch TV. Yeah, in fact, you know, speaking of TV watching, you know, just and because I always like to talk about things that annoy the heck out of me, um, <laughs> you know, being a Prime member, I, I watch a lot of Prime video content. And the other night, you know, I'm, I'm getting in bed, I'm trying to watch, you know, I, I watch this, you know, this series on the Grand Tour, and I've seen every episode, but I figure I want to watch a couple of them again. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I start one, and now all of a sudden, you know, it starts with promos for other Amazon Prime videos. I'm like. I already subscribed to your damn service. Don't be showing me ads for other things. Just start the show I want to watch. You know, it's, yeah, you pay money for commercial yeah, free. I mean, all these all these years, it's been you start the show and it plays. But yeah. Now they're 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 cramming ads for all their other programming down your throat, and it's you know not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but it just it annoys me. And of course, they're not <laughs> ads because they're not paid advertising. They're promotional announcements right, or for what shows we that in, I would never watch anyway. It's like I don't care about that crap. We in the industry call promos, but. Just as bad, are you watching any of the various Discovery-type channels, and the constant thing on the screen is subscribe to Discovery Plus? It's like, yeah, I get it. 
But no, I'm not interested. Well, I signed up for my uh, my seven day trial um, as we're recording this last night, and I'm I'm watching this you know the Six Degrees show with Mike Rowe, which is great because I'm a history guy. So I think I'll probably watch that series within the seven days, and then I won't worry about paying for the service because you know even four ninety nine, I think it's a bit overpriced. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, we like Mike Rowe, so tell yeah. me if the series is good. Then maybe I'll subscribe for the seven day free trial, watch his series, and then also it's, it's, cancel. It's an interesting show. Like the one I watched la- last night, it was you know how does you know how no, does I a- don't know. You keep well, saying you know, you know because well, I don't. Whatever. Yeah. But you know how does a horseshoe get you a better love life? And it basically is going from the invention of the horseshoe to like dating and all the things in between. This one led to this, which then led to this invention, which led to this, and the- it's actually a really cool thing. <laughs> okay, my brain hurts already. Yeah, you into mobile gaming? No, no, Soma, you into mobile gaming at all? Well, but not too surprisingly, consumers broke all kinds of mobile app and game spending records during 2020, surpassing $100 billion for the first time in history in November, with an additional $407.6 million spent via Apple's App Store and Google Play through Christmas. That, according to Sensor Tower Store Intelligence, that's <laughs> kind of an odd name, TikTok was the non-gaming leader in apps, generating $4.7 million worldwide on Christmas. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. I, I know. No, it's ridiculous. No. Crazy ridiculous. There, there you go. I'll allow, I'll allow that. Yeah. <laughs> So Microsoft is not looking to Intel, but rather AMD for assistance with their Xbox Series X production. The Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S have been on the market since November, but they're still very difficult to find, with frustrated gamers jumping on every retail drop that they can possibly come across. Many come up empty-handed, resorting to high prices on eBay to join the next generation of gaming. As PC Mag reports, it's clear Microsoft is still facing difficulties with meeting the astronomical demand for its consoles. However, according to Phil Spencer, VP of Gaming at Microsoft, there may be a light at the end of the tunnel. What? During a recent appearance on Xbox Live, Microsoft said they are tapping AMD, not Intel, to help meet the punishing demand. AMD is responsible for manufacturing the GPU and CPU for the new Xbox consoles. So, of course, they're going to look to them to say, help us with production. Let's get more of these machines out. I mean, look how many people you've seen posting that they finally got their xbox and stuff it's like well okay not being gamers we are like eh so but gamers listening are saying i finally got mine and i'm thrilled and we're happy for you i wish we had some to give away but you see they're very hard to get well it's because all (laughs) these companies employ all these bots to quickly buy everything that's available online and then sell Mm -hmm. them at a major premium exactly and that's why you wonder you can find them maybe on ebay or places like that but for a whole lot more than the suggested retail value, uh-huh. which is never was, discounted because they're in such demand. It was like a year ago. We were look, I was looking online to try to find a VCR to convert some old tapes we have. And the only place I could find was somebody that was selling some on Amazon unopened in a, in a box for like $900. Oh, my gosh. That's because the last company about a year before that was making VCRs stopped making them. Yeah. And when they were still making them, you could buy a VCR for 20 bucks at a exactly. store. Exactly. <laughs> it was absurd. We should have bought them then thinking that someday somebody will want these and then pay an order. Enormous amounts of money to warehouse them. Somebody was smarter than us. <laughs> what? No, that's not possible. It is. <laughs> it's also very likely. 
<laughs> and because apparently having an echo in your bedroom isn't enough, and, you know, Amazon wants to know more about what goes on in that room. Um, according to a new report from Business Insider, Amazon is developing a new Alexa-powered device that can track and monitor for signs of sleep apnea using radar. Oh. Uh, the palm-sized device is reportedly designed to sit on a bedside table and use millimeter wave radar to sense your breathing, keeping an eye out for interruptions associated with the apnea sleeping disorder. Amazon's project is apparently being developed under the code name Brahms, under the German composer of Lullaby. Along with sleep apnea, Amazon reportedly plans to use its machine learning and cloud technology to understand other types of sleeping disorders. Interesting. So now they're going to monitor you while you sleep. Yeah. But it might save your life. So, see, the the other side of that argument is, do you want privacy or do you want death? You say it might save your life, but, you know, you, you know it's gonna, they're going to find some way to then uh, serve up ads with something else. You'll know, on, go on your phone and you'll then see ads for other things on Amazon that might help you, you know, breathe right strips or something. Yeah, <laughs> or sleep study <laughs> clinics yeah. suddenly will start popping up all over the place. Because everything Amazon does is to try to get your data so they can serve advertisements that will get you to buy things. You mean they don't just do things out of the goodness of their heart? No. <laughs> I heard recently that they're, they're investing like you know, $2 billion into affordable housing around their three headquarters. And I'm sure there's going to be some kind of ulterior motive behind that sort that thing. Ulterior. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're housing. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you did. Speaking of Amazon, they said it's 2020 holiday season broke records. So, see, you don't have to feel sorry for them. <laughs> With over 1.5 billion electronics and home items, beauty and personal care products and toys were delivered worldwide. 1.5 billion of these items. And over 8 million dropped off at alternative locations, like retail stores. That, according to a company blog post, Amazon also reported year-over-year growth, surprise, of more than 50%. For independent sellers, and expects fourth quarter revenue to increase twenty eight to thirty eight percent, and get this, top one hundred billion dollars for the first time in a single quarter. So, just the last three months of last year, Amazon expects to have made one hundred billion with a B dollars. I don't feel sorry for Jeff. Bozo. No, are you going to stop ordering from Amazon yet? <laughs> Well, they have the best prices, and you can get stuff. Used to be, whatever happened to they used to deliver as a Prime member, which I've never been, thank you very much. I'm keeping my money. Uh, but they used to deliver to Prime members overnight, and now it's two or three days or a week. Well, they're using this coronavirus pandemic as a, as a thing. I mean, I've, I've ordered stuff the same day. I ordered a, uh, a garbage disposal from them about a year and a half ago, you know, at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and I was shocked when it was delivered at 8 o'clock that same day. Wow. <laughs> not anymore. Do, yeah, not anymore. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But they're making $100 billion in only the last three months. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, apparently. Why don't we go to a call? Because they are the lifeblood of our audience, and we appreciate that of the show. Mike in Dover, Delaware, listens on WDEL. Hello, Mike. Welcome into tomorrow. My Windows PC has trashed itself. Uh-oh. I need to replace it. I'm open to suggestions. I'm a disabled veteran, and money is not uh, growing on trees for me. So I need something that works well but is inexpensive. 
Well, we can certainly understand that, Mike. The best laptop for you will certainly depend on what you want to do with it and, for that matter, what your budget truly is. For example, uh, for about $650, you can get an Acer Nitro 5 with a 256-gig SSD, solid-state drive. We say on the show all the time, once you go SSD, you never go back. Uh, A Core i5 chip and a gaming-capable graphics card. If you need to go lower than that for $400, you can get a Lenovo IdeaPad Flex 5 with 128 gig of RAM and a Core i3 chip. But it would be somewhat limited by Windows 10 Home S mode, which seeks to increase security by only allowing you to install software from Microsoft's own store. No, thank you very much. And for around $530, you can look into a Dell Inspiron 13 5000. Uh, That comes with a Core i5 chip and up to 8 gig of RAM and 256 gig of SSD storage. This model comes with regular Windows 10, so you won't be limited to software made available by Microsoft. Now, if you only really need to use online apps, then a Chromebook, like the $250 Lenovo Chromebook Duet, might work well for you. Uh, but that means no native software. Everything will require an online app, like Google Docs, online email, and so forth. Yeah. Now, Mike, that very well may be your best bet in the long run, because if you don't have to install specific programs, you can do most everything else that you need to do computing-wise as Chris mentioned, with a Chromebook. And that $250 Lenovo might be the way to go for you. So do let us know what you think of our suggestions. They're all in our show notes. So if you want to go back and review what we've recommended. And of course, stay tuned because listeners helping other listeners, some of our favorite calls. So we might get calls from other listeners saying, hey, tell Mike to try this and this and this. And you get even other ideas. But check out the show notes at intotomorrow.com for the week of January 8th, 2021. Hour one. There's your call and our answer again at intotomorrow.com. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. That's 855-212-6536. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancel fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. Welcome back into tomorrow with another fun tech fact for you. While Apple was building a huge data center in the middle of North Carolina, they wanted to occupy the area of a couple that lived there for 34 years. When the couple refused to leave, Apple paid them $1.7 million for their plot of land that was only worth 181000 
Which is nothing for Apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chump change for Apple. 1.7 million, but the land was worth 181,000. Wow. I think they finally moved. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't they? It's like winning the lottery without having to buy a ticket. But they did have to move from their home of 34 years. Moment of silence, please. That was it. Um, anyway, welcome back into tomorrow. I think I mentioned that. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available wherever you live or work. Text RADIO to 35000 to get more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. And that's a really cool thing. You should do that. I mean, just it's really easy. Text the word RADIO to 35000. You get free information. And they don't bug you. They just send you an, a cool link to get satellite um, internet. It's really neat. And are you worried about uh, what we should be worried about uh, in 2021 as far as tech? Stay tuned in a few minutes. We'll be talking to Tim Beharan. He's the president of Creative Strategies to talk about his article that he wrote in Forbes, Five Tech Concerns for 2021. Yeah, Some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. You want to don't miss. You want to don't miss. There you go. <laughs> My interview with Tim coming up in our next couple of segments. And when you participate on the program, you win prizes. It really is very easy to do and something that you'll probably be amazed at. For example, what Cameron's always reminding us of. Call in, win stuff. Thank you. Well, thank you, Cam, and he's right. If you'd like any of these particular prizes that we're about to mention, no promises, no guarantees, but do tell us when you call in using the free Into Tomorrow app or the 800 number, and we'll do our best to get perhaps that item to you. For example, from Infinicor, we've got some Wally Grip detachable wallet grip and stands for your smartphone. These are really pretty cool, too, and you can carry your driver's license and credit cards and all that in there, too. From Turtle Beach, Stealth 700 wireless gaming headsets available. We've got some Chipolo item finders. You can find your keys, phone, or backpack in seconds. Especially if you left them at Chipotle. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Lexip, ceramic glide feet for your computer mouse. And you think, why would I need that? Well, have you ever had your mouse just get stuck on the mouse pad of the desk? This will solve that problem. Bits Limited has provided mini squids. These are travel-sized, surge-protected power strips. Man, I, back when we could travel, you know the good old days? I never would go anywhere without my mini squid because it gives you all these extra plugs and they're protected and it's wonderful. Do check it out and do join us and call in into tomorrow.com. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-586-8571. 800-586-8571. That's 800-586-8571.
Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 26th year on the air, covering the latest in consumer tech, including gadgets and gizmos, products and services, all sorts of cool things available today and into tomorrow. And we're delighted that you not only tune in, but even more delighted when you call in and you participate on the program. You've got a consumer tech question of any sort, or you want to help another listener. We love those kinds of calls, too. Maybe you just want to share with us your favorite app these days and why. Whatever the case, we want to hear from you anytime, 24-7. The best way is the audio option on the free Into Tomorrow app, which I know you already have on your phone and tablet. But if not, please be sure and snag it. Search those two words in your favorite app store, Into Tomorrow. Or you can call the old-fashioned way. Works toll-free anywhere in North America. 800-899-INTO. 1-800-899-4686. Our next guest joins us from one of the oldest high-tech market research companies in Silicon Valley. And he writes regularly. Always love his articles. They pop out at you about tech industry's impact on such things as the PC and the consumer electronics markets. We just don't have them on as often as I'd like. The president of Creative Strategies is Tim Beharin. Tim, welcome back into tomorrow. How are you, sir? And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yes, I look forward to chatting with you all the time. And of course, crossing paths with you once in a while when we're out when we were out yeah. <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yeah, and we would run across each other literally around the world back in the good old days when we could travel yeah. and, uh, and haven't done that. And, of course, you know, dealing uh, in the next week with uh, the uh, the our 26th CES, first time virtual only, but certainly we're doing all we can to cover it, as <laughs> I'm sure you are as well. Um, and it's just a whole different world these days, is it not? <laughs> It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the la- the latest article that certainly grabbed our attention, and I said, oh, man, we got to get Tim back on the show and talk about that. Five tech concerns for 2021. So now that we're in 2021, I certainly want to get your handle on where you think we're headed into tomorrow and, and what are the kinds of things that really jumped out at you? Well, uh, as I look forward to the next year, um, I mean, 2020 itself, of course, was a very difficult year for everybody, even in the tech sector. But we did have some bright spots. I mean, working from home has become more mainstream. Uh, the whole video conferencing thing took off after years and years of us trying to, all of us in the industry who were involved with video conferencing, wanting that to really become mainstream. Yeah, in fact, good, good point that you bring up in your article is, is basically, who ever heard of Zoom before last year, you know? yeah. and now yeah. now you can't not hear about it, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the, but the fact is, twenty twenty one is an interesting new year for tech because I do think, as I pointed out in my Forbes column this week, that there are some challenges or concerns that I have going into this year for tech. And, and again, there there's four or five I'll quickly go into, but. The first one is the the whole increased regulatory challenges that you're going to have against big tech. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Republicans and the Democrats both have been on kind of a war path as far as trying to pull in what they call uh, potential monopolies of big tech, as well as trying to regulate them. And you have, of course, this current antitrust suit that's pending for Facebook, and you're going to see others, I think. And while in the last, in the past, 
tech has been on their on their radar. This is the first time I think it's elevated to the space where it really looks like we're going to see some potential regulatory action. Oh, so you, now, again, you do think that that's going to happen, hopefully. I mean, for the rest of us and anti-social media, uh, I think a lot of us think, my gosh, they got to be regulated or at least broke up a couple of their various and sundry billion-dollar divisions or something. Yeah, although I point out that I don't believe Congress will do it. I think it, this will come as a result of more research that will be done by the FTC, the SEC, and possibly even the, the, the Department of Justice. Uh-huh. Um, but... There is a, the second thing I'd point out is there is a new regulatory threat to uh, the companies in Europe that is really interesting because they could soon face fines and stricter controls over their, over their behavior as part of a sweeping new rules in the EU. Uh, I think it's been about a month ago the EU Commission, which is the executive arm of the EU, presented two new pieces of legislation that will affect how big tech operates. One of the potential changes that's really interesting is putting an end to self-preferencing. So, for example, in an app search, if results for an Apple product display options developed by the tech giant come first, um, they could literally be forced to take that out of the process, and failure to comply would be, and listen to this, failure to comply could result in fines us highest 10% of the company's annual turnover worldwide. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you talk and, about a company like Apple, or, or, or for that matter, Google or Facebook or a lot of these big companies, that's a hefty amount of money. Yeah, and that's just the EU. Now, yeah. whether that legislation gets passed, I don't know. But I suspect that the U.S. will take similar look at that these new EU rules and see if it, they, could, they could find a way to apply it. Here. Well, Tim, do you think that the EU has, in some cases over the last few years, maybe gone a little overboard? I mean, from privacy standpoint, great for consumers, but sometimes as tech folk that we are, we look at it and say, well, they're really stifling competition, it seems, in some cases. Now, granted, they do need to rein in some of these big companies, but you have to wonder... You know, gee, why aren't we doing that here in the U.S.? Well, because, you know, we, we are hopefully uh, encouraging competition, but they seem to be stifling a whole lot. Well, it is, and that's also potential stifling innovation. Yeah, of course. And it is something that I do believe the EU has gone overboard on some issues, but some of them are legit. However, this new um, threat to them, a uh, threat from the EU to companies like, especially like Facebook and Apple and, and Google, mm-hmm. uh, could be really interesting, and we're watching that closely. And that could come to a head sometime in 2021. Wow! The next thing I bring out is this new, this whole cybersecurity breach that came out of the um, uh, social wind. Or what did it go? Social winds, or what was it? Fire. Anyway, the, the the most recent one, where it looks like the Russians have attacked. Um, not only tech companies, but government agencies, etc. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out that, you know, Robert Hackett in his data sheet column predicts a digital pandemic next year with potential gigantic security breaches of, of, of what we don't even know at this point. And um, given the fact that it does appear that this came from Russia, uh, we know that Russia has multiple, multiple motives to try to 
sow discord and problems in the U.S., as they have for decades. Sure. And now they have a new weapon with this type of cybersecurity breach. So you see so a possible a pan, pandemic this year in 2021 now of, uh, of tech, which is kind of challenging and scary in and of itself. Although people are saying, well, that's better than the pandemic we've been dealing with this uh, for the past year. But uh, it's not good for even us as consumers. That can't be a good thing. No, because we don't, again, we don't know how deep they have been able to penetrate things, for example, such as our electric grid. Mm. But imagine, you know, if they, if, if part of this breach of security allowed Russia to take control of our electric grid, and we would be out, certain parts of the country could be out of power for weeks, let's oh, say. Jeez. I mean, you're talking about a totally different type of, and that's why Hack, um, Robert Hackett of Fortune uses the term digital pandemic because we just don't know how large the cyber attack is and, more importantly, how deep they've gotten in. So I consider that a very big concern for 2021. Oh, for sure. And and what we don't know uh, can probably scare us even more because who knows how many cyber attacks, whether it be from Russia or domestically or from China what or Iran, whatever, how many have been stopped up to this point? And, you know, we don't talk, of course, a lot about those things because most companies or power grids or governments don't want you to know in many cases that they were able to stop something because then, you know, it's better left unsaid, I guess. Yeah, we're on the job. We're we're secure. Everything's okay. But you you bring up a good point between the power grid. I mean, let alone we all personally worry about our banking and right get into the financial market. (laughs) Yeah. Gee, I mean, it is scary when you talk about what can happen. And now then people, I'm I'm assuming a lot of our audience listening to now is saying, well, who's responsible for that? Is it the government? Is it the private companies? Is it our banks, you know, that should be protecting us? And I guess it's all of the above, but we also have to take an effort, too. Yeah, I mean, we all have to deal with our own protection of personal privacy, but boy, this goes way beyond stuff that's in our personal control. Tim, if you'll allow me to interrupt real quick, we're going to pay a couple of bills, come right back and talk more with Tim Beharin, the president of Creative Strategies at creativestrategies.com as Into Tomorrow continues. Don't go away. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338. 
Welcome back as Into Tomorrow continues for our New Year broadcast, now our 26th year on the air. We're talking with the president of Creative Strategies, Tim Beharin. The other thing that I bring out, a couple others, uh, but the one last one I want to leave you with is our very concern about the fact that China has, and China now has Taiwan on their radar, more so than in the past. As you know, China has always believed that Taiwan was a part of China. Yeah. And has allowed them to stay basically neutral and independent. But because of what happened in Hong Kong recently, there's real concern by my friends who I deal with in Taiwan, and these are high-level business execs, that China could make a move on trying to, quote-unquote, nationalize Taiwan. Oh. And, and, and you and I, having both been in Taiwan many times, oh, yeah. because there's a lot of tech emanating from there, too, and touring factories and whatnot, that can't be good for the industry that we cover, let alone the people. Well, especially if China exerts control. Yeah. Now, they could, they could do what they've done in China in the sense where they try to, to take over and protect its borders and make it a part of the Chinese quote-unquote, leader or, or uh, property. But, you know, in Hong Kong, they're, they're, not, they're not stifling what's going on with at least innovation at the moment. Hmm. They are trying to go after some of the big companies that are, are also in, in China but also have big businesses in Hong Kong as far as regulation. But where this concerns me from Taiwan's standpoint is that, as you know, the majority of stuff we get created for us comes from the big players like Foxconn, who makes Apple computers. I mean, uh, Apple's iPhone and actually Apple's computers. Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, Quant, excuse me, Quanta or um, Compel. All of these big manufacturers, as well as um, uh, one of the biggest semiconductor companies in the world, TSMC, is based in Taiwan. Oh, that's right, yeah. And, they and, and their products the go into a lot of other products that we all buy. Yeah, billions of them. Yeah. And if China ever could be in a position where they had full control of that, the impact on our supply chain could be significant in the future. Oh. So that's why we're watching that as a political thing. Now, we don't know how fast China might move. Um, we just know that the Taiwanese execs I talk to are telling me that this is the first time in their lives that they are really concerned about China and potentially China moving to nationalize Taiwan. Wow. And do you, and do, are these execs saying things off the record to you like, you know, we're looking to move to South Korea maybe or we're, you know, the, the Philippines or something? I mean, somewhere in the vicinity, I guess, stay in Asia uh, or move here to the U.S. I mean, is there any of that kind of talk well, going on? Well, they are. First of all, they, they already are concerned, have been concerned about this for a long time. So they're already starting to move their actual manufacturing. It's a significant part of manufacturing over to places like Vietnam and uh, mm. Malaysia and uh, other regions in the Pacific, uh, sorry, excuse me, in, in uh, Southeast Asia, um, some have even moved into India and a couple have moved into Mexico. Oh, wow. Uh, but having said that, it, it, you still have concerns, uh, even though they, they, the Taiwanese ODMs, let's say, the guys that make the products, who create all of the the actual intellectual property in Taiwan, but it's actually made in China, they've already started to move some of that away, but they can't move all of it. That's the problem. Yeah. 
and, 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 and like it I would said, become it become really obvious to the Chinese government if they up and pack up and and go elsewhere, and then they'll try to stop that because now they're concerned that it's affecting their whole economy. They could. Yeah. The good news is we don't see that happening yet. Right, and they're doing uh, it. Like I, I hope said, quietly and and yet swiftly <laughs> as necessary. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I only brought up in this particular column a concern for 2021 being that we're seeing more interest in China to move in on Taiwan. Mm. And again, we don't know what that might mean, but the whole concept of if China nationalized Taiwan presents a whole separate big issue for especially those of us who deal with Taiwan as a part of our supply chain. Yeah. And if you look underneath most electronics, it's going to say, in many cases, made in China or made in Taiwan, uh, maybe some made in Korea, but for the vast majority, it's China and Taiwan. So think about how the the tech industry, as you mentioned, Tim, the supply chain, but us just as consumers can be affected with rising costs, assuming we can even get the products that we want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As always, you're a delight to talk with. Uh, it's kind of scary, the kinds of things sometimes that you do come up with, but it's stuff that we do need to pay attention to. Uh, I invite our audience, when you get a chance, check out uh, Tim's latest Forbes article, Five Tech Concerns for This Year, 2021, and you'll find it fascinating like we did. And, of course, check out creativestrategies.com. We'll link you there, too, when you hit us up at intotomorrow.com. And that's uh, Tim's site, and you'll see what he and his team are up to on a regular basis. Tim Beharin, president of Creative Strategies. Keep strategizing and let's stay in touch and get you on more frequently. And we'll virtually meet up again during CES. Very, very good, Dave. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Again, creativestrategies.com for more. I'm Dave Graveline. We continue bringing you further into tomorrow in this new year, right here on the Advanced Media Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. We welcome you back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And in the control room, he's Nosomi. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys, streaming media and podcasting solutions for the smartest businesses on the Internet. Visit StreamGuys.com. I think I shall do that because that's true. They make our 24-7 stream possible, including on our app, which I know everyone has. Unless you're driving, hold it up to the radio. I want to see your phone. And, oh, see? There you go. You have our Into Tomorrow app. Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. 
time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. History, 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 history. Here's Chris. Chris's history, history. Yeah, I wish. This week in 1949, the Radio Corporation of America, or RCA, announced a new 7-inch 45 RPM phonograph record. Soon the 45, the record with the big hole in the middle, would change the pop music business. In 2000 this week, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates announced that he would be stepping down as Microsoft Chief Executive. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And handing over the reins to longtime friend and company president Steve Ballmer. Nerd alert! Yeah, pretty much. Gates assumed the title of Chief Software Architect. All systems are functioning within normal parameters. In 2001 this week, Wikipedia, the multilingual, web-based, free content encyclopedia project, was launched by Larry Sanger and Jimmy Wales. And this week in 2007, Apple chairman Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone at the Macworld Expo in San Francisco. Stevie, I'm so happy! The four-gigabyte version of what became the 2007 Invention of the Year went on sale in June for $500. That's our look back at This Week in Tech History, brought to you by IFA in Berlin, the most significant trade show for consumer electronics and home appliances. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Gee, It is more significant, more significant than CES, too, I might add. And we'll be there for our 19th year. Is my math correct now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This coming September. So make sure your passports stay current. I think my China visa is expired. Oh, darn. That's a good thing we're not going there. It's just yeah. Berlin. But I have to check. I had a 10-year China visa. Well, if you do go to China, just don't eat any bats. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, if you believe that's where it came from, yeah. yeah, okay. Good luck with that. Intotomorrow.com. All three hours available there.